A communications disruption can mean only one thing. Invasion. A communication disruption can only mean one thing. Negotiation. We've lost all communication. Invasion. What will the future of Star Wars bring? You must contact me. You must contact me and listen to read. They wouldn't dare. It's unthinkable. In this Yobbles Bubble Bubble Star Wars Prequels Appreciation Podcast. It's outrageous. Hello, cool lakus and kittens. <coughs> Welcome to CO Bibbles Babble Bubble, your one-stop shop for all things Star Wars prequels, appreciation, love, and adoration. On this episode, we are joined for the very first time. We have the final member of the Imperial Senate podcast, Mr. Charlie Ashby. And not just that, but we have his co-host, one of his co-hosts, I should say, Mr. Nikki Kumar. Charlie, welcome to the show. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. And Nikki, how you doing? Doing great. Always uh, great to join the bubble once again. Absolutely it is. So I have brought together these two fine folks here today because as I've mentioned multiple times in the show in this past, you know, obviously the Star Wars prequels are fantastic and fun and there's a lot of stuff going on, but you know, there's only so much material you can draw on directly from the movies. And so just as exciting as those movies are is the time period that they were released. So we're looking at 1999, which is the release of The Phantom Menace, up to 2005, the release of Revenge of the Sith. So this is what we so lovingly call the prequels era. And what is particularly fun about this time period is that during this window, um, and the season, or the year I should say, immediately preceding it, Arsenal and Manchester United, two storied and fantastic soccer or football clubs in Great Britain, won three and four English Premier League titles, respectively, Arsenal in 1998, 2002, and 2004, and Manchester United in 1999, 2000, 2001, and 2003. And what makes this a super special conversation is that Charlie and Nikki are on opposite sides of this kind of rivalry here i guess you know as i've already said so we have charlie on the arsenal side of things and nikki on the manchester united side of things so just as you know as children we were all getting to love the star wars prequels these two were getting to love the two teams that really hated each other in a lot of respects so <laughs> i thought this would be <laughs> a good way to uh, to bring it together because charlie and nikki are great friends and uh you know, hopefully by the end of the show, they won't be because they'll remember all the times that <laughs> beat one another. All so, the bad uh, blood. <laughs> all the bad blood. You know, we're going to revisit the Battle of Old Tratford and see uh, if that sticks well or not. So uh, <laughs> there we go. anyhow, so uh, Charlie, why don't you first just give a little history or personal history, I should say, about your Arsenal fandom? The way you phrased that, I feel like me and Nikki would just get on well, and then out of nowhere, Roy Keane would just show up and go, what are you, why are you being nice to each other for? <laughs> um, All this hugging and kissing, oh, I, I'm sick of it. <laughs> beat each other up. Um, yeah, so I am Charlie, as you know, 
I am from Islington Hackney. So genuinely, my local club is Arsenal. It isn't a like you get over here sometimes the sort of the glory hunters who go, and if you live in I don't know like the Midlands, <laughs> for some reason you support Man City. It's like oh, that's a bit odd because you know, they're not your local team. But of course, there are some people that just want to be Chelsea fans because at that time, maybe in like 2008, <laughs> they felt confident in supporting them at that time. But no, I've always been an Arsenal fan. It's been in my blood. Literally, if you look at pictures of me straight out of the womb, my dad's <laughs> already put me in the Arsenal kit. <laughs> my, uh, my dad's an Arsenal fan. His dad was a Tottenham fan, which is interesting. But he's an Arsenal fan. And my mum's side are just pure, full-on Arsenal. They are like my granddad, my nan, my whole, my uncles. Just crazy. Really into it. In fact, probably more into it than uh, I can actually say on here. (laughs) They might have been part of uh, some uh, interesting uh, fights. But yeah, it's interesting. For sure, and especially the Man United connection as well. There, there was a very good rivalry there, particularly in that time period. I think that was both just you know pure hatred and a, a sort of respect, a, a begrudging respect, I should say. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'll go ahead and dive with a little bit of my own personal connection with Arsenal, however weak it may be. So I have some extended family, uh, sort of second cousins of my dad, who are super into genealogy, and that's how we got to know them. And so it, it's effectively like cousins over there. And they are a super Arsenal household, uh, but they're currently dealing with their own problems in the sense that, uh, so their oldest son is an athletic trainer, and he now works for Tottenham. And apparently his dad has been trying to tell him to uh, do something bad to Harry Kane's knee. So uh, <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> nice little... Nice little tidbit there. So there's my Arsenal bit. But as you will learn, listeners to the show, I do not really have much of a dog in this fight. So that's why it's good to have two people who do, and I'll just try my best to to egg them on. And so, Nikki, you're coming in from the Manchester United front. How about you dive a little bit into that? Yeah, um, my history with uh, the team is a little, I guess, a little like a little late in the game. Um so my mom's, uh, my mom and her side of the family are from Manchester, and um, growing up in America, <clears throat> like you know, soccer or f- foot football, um, or football, <laughs> or football, <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it wasn't a thing. Like it wasn't really a thing, right? And um, I mean, you'll know, Reed. Like growing up as a as a dude in the late nineties, you don't. You don't really like get exposure to this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing the 2002 World Cup in a fuzzy uh, um, Spanish channel, like Telemundo or something, and that was <laughs> that was like the only way to watch anything. Um, but yeah, I think uh, for me, my uh, my grandparents and like immediate family were Manchester City, and I would always like I'd, I had this very early trolling instinct and they would always come to it when they would come visit they like get asked by um you know people in the stores they'd be like, oh where are you from and uh <laughs> they'd be like oh we're from manchester and they're like oh like manchester united and they'd be like no 
Um, so I learned very early that I could troll them really well with a little, little Man United pokes. And then, um, then my, my true come to Jesus moment with the sport was Euro 2004. So at the tail end of this era, but, um, in that time I was just enamored with that tournament. I just went absolutely nuts for this young kid named Wayne Rooney who boost onto the burst onto the scene and um that summer he transferred to man united and that was that sealed the deal and um that's kind of when everything really uh clicked into place and that's kind of yeah the story of my my personal fandom excellent yeah here's where my little tidbit about uh manchester united comes in so even though i was born in austin texas i uh, spent the majority of my eight years of my childhood, I should say, in New Jersey. And so everything around all, all the major cable providers around New York have access to the Yes Network. That's the Yankee, like the New York Yankees Network, the Yankee Entertainment and Sports Network. And so oftentimes you'll hear comparisons made between Manchester United and the New York Yankees because they're both, you know, big historic teams who have won a lot. And people think, you know, oh, they just spend so much money or they just are. More, it seems like more people love to hate them than who actually love them outside of their most diehard fans, or you're accused of bandwagoning. Anyhow, so the Yes Network used to broadcast Manchester United games on a massive tape delay. So it'd be, you know, a week or two weeks after <laughs> they'd already played. So I, growing up as a Yankees fan, always had access to Manchester United games on, but I didn't really follow them necessarily. It just happened to be on the TV, and my dad would be kind of watching them. And uh, yeah, the 2002 World Cup is kind of a, a funny story about trying to remember the first time kind of watching a major football tournament. And yeah, for me, it was only a bagel shop down the street that would show the games. And so every so often, like throughout that time, I probably had way more bagels in a given window than I ever have in my life going like two or three times a week to catch a little bit of it. So I thought I, I was amused with the whole Telemundo comparison. There, <laughs> it, is tr- it is true. I mean, you look and see how soccer is really being pushed in the united states right now and that's just something that we didn't have mm-hmm. you know growing up ourselves but anyhow i'm gonna go ahead and dive right into this so i thought a good place to start was breaking down the key players on both squads who were there the entire time of the you know a lot of good players were there at the beginning a lot of good players were there at the tail end but i'm looking at folks who were on the squad the entire time between 1999 to 2005 So I'm going to go ahead and start with the Arsenal players. And I'm not, you know, I went back and forth trying to say, could you call one of these teams the Separatists? Because it is a Star Wars comparison. And the other, the Grand Army of the Republic. And it's it's not that direct. And and Charlie, I either apologize or this is for you. I'm calling the Arsenal players the Separatist Council. Um, (laughs) And this is not meant to be a knock, because I know the Separatist Council don't make it too far. But it's mostly because these players were ones coming from multiple European countries. You know, you had representatives from France, the Netherlands, Sweden. So I'm just going to go through some of them and see if they strike any, you know, resonance with you. So Jermaine Pennant, uh, I consider him kind of the Newt Gunray of, uh, <laughs> of Arsenal. Charlie, any, any opinions on that? <laughs> Um, do I have any opinions on that? I guess 
What would be my first thought? No. <laughs> just like I, I hope he's not. I hope he didn't scream before he got st- like slashed. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted peace. <laughs> well, his he fits really well because he was with Arsenal from 1999 to 2005. He was exclusively a prequels error Arsenal guy, and I feel like that just fits. You know, Nuke Gunray. That was his run right there. You know, when Jermaine Pennant first, you know, walked. Walked on field for Arsenal. Everyone was buzzing about the Phantom Menace. Isn't that kind of fun to think about? So, uh, and then you we... should say that. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it that way. <laughs> Maybe that was in his contract. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he was he was on loan through most of that period. You know, or just scattered. You know, little quarter seasons here and there. And I think that still fits the Newt Gunray narrative because Newt Gunray, you know, wasn't a main character. He was around. Be... You think General Griffiths was like? We will be transferring you to the Utah League. The Utah League. <laughs> it's Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham. Birmingham City. <laughs> you know, you know, they say everyone in Birmingham has like the crazy stripes on their faces and awful teeth. So uh, I think that's that's pretty pretty spot on. <laughs> What's his transfer fee? He didn't say. <laughs> oh yeah, thousands of battle droids. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, yeah so looking at the same window we'll, we'll move past Mr. Mr. Pennant there and go to the two French staples of, of that team uh, Charlie do you want to talk about him because I, I assume at least one of them is, is a fan favorite of yours you talking about Bobby man listen like listen here alright what a gentleman and I say that from experience because I have met him. He is just—he was—he was so good. Uh, when I met him, I had my hair styled. This would have been two thousand and three. I had met him at a book signing. His autobiography came out, which I think was called uh, something like "The Footballer," <laughs> like French. Um, and I had my hair styled like Freddie Lundberg. I had like sort of like a you know spiky in the middle, <laughs> bit of red, and he's like, "Well, I look at your hair, it's awesome." <laughs> like, <and> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, I think I actually did. I think he like he smiled because I said, "Bonjour," <laughs> no, like, like the tiniest English accent ever. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he's just a legend. Do you have a separatist you would give him? A separatist that I would give Robert Perez? Um, I don't know. I don't know what sort of... It's difficult to, to ascribe these characters to these players, I think. So I'm trying to think. Um, separatist. Nikki, feel free to, to, dro- you know, to drop something yeah, in Nikki, here. Please. Uh, just a quick suggestion. I think the, the French are stereotypically good lovers, right? So we could have the the Watt Tambor nipple play going on. <laughs> we could. I feel maybe Clovis. Ooh. Ooh. Nice rush Clovis there. Because, you know, like he's a bit he's fancy. And he's so who, who or what is his Padme in his career? What's the thing that he always wanted but never got? Champions League. Oh, oh. 
Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> so close, and then we fell off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so close, but that deal with Count Dooku at the end, man. <laughs> you just had to the yeah, just had to take it. No, yeah, that's a good answer actually. <laughs> I love it. Let's go to our um one of our Dutch guys here who who ended out his senior career with Arsenal. Mr. Mr. Dennis Bergkamp. Dennis mm-hmm. the Menace, so to say. Yes. The non-flying Dutchman as he was so flavorly known by his fear of flying. Now, I know we're sticking separatists, but does that make him kind of like Obi-Wan? Could be. Or maybe he's General Grievous. He's like the separatist on, on par. He's the... I don't know. Maybe... I don't want to give out... Could he... I mean, I could see Sand Hill the... being afraid of flying. If he's the elder statement, if he's the elder statesman, though, and he had the power and then the control, maybe he was the Dooku of the team. Ooh. Because I... he came in a little bit, you know, like a little bit later into the, like, you know, Vega got the, Vega came in and then brought him in. So maybe he's a bit like, Maul has just left the club. Um, he had an ankle in- injury. <laughs> um, he couldn't play ever again. So we brought in Count Dooku. To give a little more validity to the to the team, so to say. A little more gravitas to the separatists. Yeah, you know? he, he helped form he helped form the club with Vanger. He mm-hmm. helped form that sort of like leadership role. So I'm gonna say mm-hmm. okay. Well he also notoriously played with one hand behind his back. Yeah, he did, yeah. <laughs> you know. He used so, to curve the ball all the time. Skillful and graceful on the ball. Just like you know, this, it's I mean, like that form too. <laughs> I mean, but what else can you say? I mean, he was just a, a the 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 way he just ran with it, and just you can watch those goals on repeat. I don't think it doesn't matter what club you're in, you cannot watch Dennis Bergkamp and not feel like, oof, get the tingles. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's funny. I was inspired by this because you know, obviously, Dooku is well loved for his silk pajamas. So I looked up Dennis Burkham pajamas and <laughs> you can actually buy a pair of soft leggings that could be worn as pajamas that have him printed all over it. I mean, well, For $44, ladies and gentlemen, you know what, you know, Charlie, I I'm more than willing to buy that and ship it overseas for you as a nice little thing. <laughs> it's kind of more of like a silhouette in red. Um, they're pretty cool. Actually. You know what? Don't Google it. I'll send them to you. And you'll be uh, you'll be waiting for you. And you'll... That's what I've always wanted, Reed. Yeah. Oh, here's another one too that has even more pictures. Apparently, getting him on leggings is very popular. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, who would a very unique king yeah. over here? <laughs> He's a, a well a well loved guy. He's got a statue right outside the stadium. Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, there you go. His 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 little kick, so to say. Does he? I can't. Think. I haven't been to Emirates for. I haven't been to Emirates as much as I when I used to go to Highbury all the time. Because mm-hmm. when I used to live in London, we used to go to Highbury, like, you know, just like a casual match. You just used to go all the time. But the expenses for these games now are just ridiculous. So, especially it, it, with travel. Yeah. 
Am I correct in that it's the most expensive ticket in the Premier League? Did I read that somewhere? I don't know for sure, but it probably is. I feel like Mm -hmm. it has to be, because it is is ridiculous. I know it has been. I don't know about now, but I remember, like, certainly in recent years, the sort of, like, the Arsenal season ticket has been always talked about as, like, the highest one. Yeah, when you get to the turnstiles, they actually ask for your firstborn child, (laughs) and that's just for an Emirates Cup game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the last time i went actually was for the emirates cup um that must have been 2015 14 it was it was P- first game mm. so it was a while back yeah ah yes the good old david cameron years <laughs> simpler times right <laughs> just don't just don't ask us to do the uh sequel trilogy era version of these teams <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no 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 that that's for uh that's from the sister podcast of co bibbles babble bubble to do um general hux's hatred hub so the conversation will be much more fitting over there because it's a very angry podcast this is, there this we is go. more more jovial for sure i don't even think, think it would be angry It'd just be me and nikki crying for like <laughs> Just, just a whole bunch of <laughs> why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> what happened to us? For sure. <laughs> um, so uh, I think that I've got a, a, one Arsenal player I'm saving for later, but I think you have to talk about Mr. Henri before we make the move over to Manchester United in a second here. So um, are you waiting to talk about Ray Parler? <laughs> <laughs> Have you been watching it? Do you follow him on Instagram? His videos are great. Throughout all the lockdown, he just he, he just kept you know, taking drinks, and taking shots, and reading out congratulations to the people. <laughs> so he'd be like, take a shot. He went, just had the pint. Anyway, happy, happy birthday, Stephen. Happy birthday, Sandra. Uh, <laughs> sorry your wedding couldn't happen. That's a career trajectory I love for him. Or for anybody, frankly. That that what a what a way to go. It's so, it's so good. I was just I could I was like mesmerized by it. <laughs> yeah. So um Mr. Henri. Yes, Mr. Vavavoom. Mr. Vavavoom. You know, I this is actually going on your earlier point, Nikki, having the whole Watt Tambor feel for it. This is who I was going for with Watt Tambor, actually, but you were right about the French as being mm-hmm. good lovers. So I think we're on the same line there. Also, he's bald. Um, mm. so that kind of helps a bit too, in a way. I guess not bald. He's he's bald now, or but he's close shaven, right? Never had much <laughs> much hair going. Bald by choice. He may have, <laughs> bald by choice. He may have had a little bit that he could have gone for him. Um, it was full, full speed. I, I I do love. I mean, going to present day, I do love that he's the manager of the Montreal Impact. Oh yeah, big up, big up them. You know, I I I love the whole you know French connection there, and so. This is why I'm going to have to throw another one out here. So this is more of Clone Wars than prequels era, but of course we know chronologically in Star Wars, this is the prequels. Does that make him actually a Kulani? The droid. And instead of the Montreal impact, this is him parting his wisdom onto Ezra and Kanan and helping them in Rex. Maybe. That's like Maybe. A cool like he's, he's, you know? like the way he ran up the pitch and he, you know, he went out and scored, he processed the information. He was a tactical... Yeah, I can see that. All right, you love he knew, to see he knew it. Also, every angle at which to hit the ball. 
He knew the perfect percentages <laughs> of like, if I strike here, this is a ninety eight percent chance of going in the, the net. And I predict a hat trick today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh that that's why he is easily one of the greatest ever Premier League strikers, if not players. Greatest ever, just in terms of yeah, like you said, like no, the golden boot is one way of just being like, oh, how great this guy is. But the golden boot compares nothing to that Nike ad that he did. Do you remember that one? Ooh, there were so there were a few, right? Yeah, like the one, it's the one where he's in like an apartment and he's like got the football and he keeps kicking it, and then all these other players run in and get involved. And yes, like people yes, that that was a great ad campaign. So good. Yep. And I feel like those adverts back then were just the epitome. And I still think that t- today it's, it bothers me a bit more because it's just, like we said, it's more to do with the fact that our teams aren't really, you know, up to the level they once were. But seeing those um, FIFA covers mm-hmm. and it being like, oh, who's going to be in it? Is it Man U? Is it going to be Arsenal? Like, And then seeing like Thierry Henry in one. Or, I, think, uh, I think FIFA 99 was actually... Uh, it was a uh, Lumberg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, obviously when you play the game itself, they're actually just like square potato people, but it was fun just to like, get those covers. So like the ad campaigns, the, uh, having, being on the FIFA cover, those were also part of that sort of that time, that period as well. The excitement. Oh, a- absolutely. I know, you know, over here when FIFA 2005 came out, that's the one that had Henri and Rooney both on the cover, right? Yeah. And yeah, for a lot of people, you know, stateside, that's when people were starting to pick which team they wanted to side with between the two of them. And well, one thing really quickly is they weren't on the States cover. Oh, they weren't on the know. States cover? Yeah, because uh, I believe back then, I don't know so much now, back then FIFA did their covers like regionally. And they picked people who, like, represented that region. Um, but let me let me see if I can find it because I I want to say like there was a a Mexican player on the cover. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember who it is though. Um, yeah, North American cover. Oswaldo Sanchez replaced, <laughs> I guess Vieira. Vieira was on <laughs> was on the cover. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's weird, but I think, I think you are right. They, like they were, they were starting to, I think they're more like global versions where they, where they keep the, the big people on maybe. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely remember friends who had the one with the two of them on it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can, I, I never had it, but I could picture friends shells with it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe they were just really well traveled and I didn't know, like, you know, I think, um, <laughs> Just to divert back into the whole like uh, Henri of it all and stuff. One of the cool things was actually uh, my local my school was obviously in Islington, so it was local to the area, and Arsenal get involved with stuff. So in my last year of being at school in London, we I was part of an after school club, and usually you know like you get like the local football team to help you out and stuff. Well, for us it's Arsenal, <laughs> which is pretty good actually. To be fair. So after school, we'd like hang out and have a guy from Arsenal come in and train us. And then to celebrate, we had a we went to Highbury. We got to go behind the scenes and stuff. And I'm going to send you guys a picture of me, 
walking around Highbring. And then also we got to explore the dressing room. The guy brings us into the dressing room. We see all the kits hanging up. Pretty awesome. He says, oh, I've just got to go out for a second, but please, we implore you, don't touch any of the shirts. So uh, immediately we touch Henri's shirt, we touch Piera. (laughs) (laughs) Get it doing. So yeah, it was one of those cool moments where you just, you know, you're touching history, basically. I love that. That that's so cool. Yeah. And also, like, just it's such a community. Like, I know, like you said, there's loads of um, players we got in from like Europe and France and stuff like that. But there's also the, the legends, and they were so down to earth. I remember um, <laughs> this is a really weird fact. Uh, a fam, a, a relative of ours had a, or, or at the time was a relative of ours, like marriage-wise, they had a, a box in Highbrain. And we, my dad took me up just to just say hello for a bit. And then um, the guy was there and was like, oh, hi, because like, I knew it was like a relative, whatever. And then next to him was Charlie George. And that was fun, because I was like, oh, hey, it's Charlie George, like, legend. What am I supposed to say? Like, I was like, oh, hey, we got the same name. Isn't that cool? But I was like six and really shy. So it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, hello. Um, <laughs> and then, like, not long after, or at least like a few months after, my dad went to the bookies, which would have been about, what, like a, like a few streets away from where we lived. He goes inside, goes, all right, way outside for a bit. <laughs> just what you, you do, I guess, back then. Um, <laughs> You know, to put a bet on for the football. He comes out and <laughs> I'm talking to Charlie George, football Arsenal legend. <laughs> so my dad walks out. He's like, why is my son talking to Charlie George? Oh my gosh. You're right? And it's one of those weird things where you know, like, you think, oh, maybe my childhood brain is making that up. Like, maybe I've mixed up <laughs> the first meeting and I'm, you know, how your brain exaggerates it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember a few months ago this year, I said to my dad, I went, did that happen? Went, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a that's a great story. Do you know how, how your dad's bet went? Um, It would have been, what, 2000? <laughs> Not that you have to disclose. I realize that's maybe a personal oh, I, I, question. I, would have been like, it would have been like 2004, so I wouldn't imagine it went well. <laughs> uh, well... Best of luck, Stephen Ashby, in future endeavors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and pivot to the Manchester United squad, which has a... Uh, so if you look at the players who were there this entire time, it has a very kind of opposite feeling to Arsenal, the sense that you had this solid group of, of Englishmen who were associated with the club the whole the whole go-through. So we're talking like Roy Keane, Phil Neville, Nicky Butt, Ryan Giggs, and Paul Scholes. Which, at least internationally speaking, those aren't the names that pop off, you know, people like show up on people's radars talking about it. You know, at least, the, you know, here in the United States, you hear more about David Beckham, the arrival of Wayne Rooney, Cristiano Ronaldo. But you do have this solid English group that was there that I'm sure domestically has quite the following. Nikki, do you want to expand on any of them? Um, yeah, I mean, so like. I, I guess, like, specifically, um, Paul Scholes is celebrated as, like, one of the greatest midfielders ever. And um, 
like so many player players like uh, Zinedine Zidane and um, uh, Xavi from from Spain and Barcelona. Like they always talk about how he was like the best player they played against, kind of thing. Um, so I maybe that's it might be the case in America. It's kind of hard for me to say because like for as long as I've been paying attention, they've been like untouchable gods so it's kind of hard for me to imagine them not having name popularity um so i don't i don't really know uh to what degree they aren't popular here certainly yeah like when we got into um you know the 2006-7 season and like rooney and ronaldo really started firing um you know that's that's when it was getting a bit more global, but they were still parts of those teams. Um, so it's it's possible that's when they started, uh, you know, really booming in the states. But, but yeah, certainly in you know in England and and Europe, uh, these are these are huge players um, and and really well known. Mm-hmm. I uh, I want to take a moment to talk about. Roy Keane and Phil Neville, both of whom left in 2005. So they left at the end of the prequels era. So I feel like a good sticking with Star Wars comparison there are there's people who die in Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, them being the greats that they are, you have to think of them as Jedi. So which Jedi masters slain during Order 66 do you feel like best encapsulate Roy Keane? Hey, Roy Keane is with, with zero doubt Mace Windu. Absolutely. Yeah. And just imagine an Irish <laughs> Mace Windu now. <laughs> um, so, None of your business, citizen. <laughs> yeah, literally no nonsense. Like, a- absolute zero bullshit. Like, this, <laughs> that is this guy's motto. And I know, Reed, you've seen The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that Michael episode, Jordan documentary. Yeah, you know that episode where Michael Jordan like talks about how, uh, like standards, right? Like, I would bust everyone's balls because they need to be this level. They need to do this, and but I would never do anything, or I would never ask them to do something that I'm not doing myself, kind of thing. That is Roy Keane to it to, like absolute, like just the exact same. Um, and as the captain of this team, he just like, he, he held that thing together. And, and it's, it's amazing because he's not at all a like fancy player. He's like barely even like barely even gifted. Like he's just, (laughs) he just knew like what to do. Keep it simple. Give the ball to Skulls. Skulls will pass it to the attackers keep it moving, keep possession and make sure nobody drops off. And I think like it's players like Roy Keane that are missing in our team today where it's like, I will, it's like, I love you, but I'll beat the shit out of you if you don't do the right thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, as a, as a captain, I miss that kind of presence. I also think he's a hilarious pundit now. So yeah, I think Mace Windu, for sure. And we joked, we joked earlier um, about, uh, about how Roy Keane would get mad at me and Charlie if we were agreeing. Because, yeah, like recently, before a United-Liverpool game, 
they were all like shaking hands and like, oh, my international teammate, what's up? <laughs> and he's like, I can't believe all this shit. <laughs> he, like, had a, he had to go at um, Aubameyang like yesterday. Oh, yeah? About, yeah, I can't remember, must have been the last game where he had to go at Aubameyang for calling Arteta Mikel. Oh, really? And he's like, he's the coach. You don't call him his first name, okay? He's, <laughs> you don't do that. It's not respectful. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> and then uh, Bami, uh, Mikhail Teto was like, look, I've played with some of these players, so it's a little bit different. And he understands, like, the the boundaries. But I, I think what was nice about Mikhail Teto is that he said, um, but also I do appreciate and understand where Roy Keane's coming from. And he's absolutely right. You have to have that sort of... Um, you're not their friends. Mm-hmm. You can be friendly, but also you're their coach. So you have to be stern. And I feel like that's what you, you're right, Nikki. There has to be a sort of a mixture of... Uh, like you're a team. You're supposed to be like friendly and helpful to each other. But also, if you're not putting in your effort, you sh- you should tell them. Like, yeah. pack, like pack it in. That's sort of, you know put your ideas together mm-hmm. and I think what was good about Roy Keane is that he was as the captain he was sort of the visual like he, he represented Man United right. they were a very aggressive side and but also knew what they were doing mm-hmm. and I feel like he sums that up pretty well yeah and uh, even during the during this period he had what's like often, or I guess the beginning, the beginning of our prequel era, he had what's often um, considered the, like his finest performance. And that was in a, um, uh, I think second leg match against Juventus in the Champions League semifinal where they would go on to win. Um, he, he actually, I think he got yellow carded and, accumulated too many to where he wouldn't play in the final. Um, but he he absolutely bossed that thing at a time where Juventus was probably considered like the best team in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's he's a legend. That that match is, if, if, I guess, to uh, keep it going, it's kind of his uh, Battle of Dantooine. <laughs> pulling from, <laughs> pulling from, from 2D Clone Wars. Because, yeah, he was, he was immense. And, and to do that also knowing you're going to miss the final. Um, it, it's it's pretty great. And yeah, I, I miss that kind of stuff. And so that's that's long answer, Roy Keane, Mace Windu. Um, Phil Neville, I will go with... Um, i trying to think. I've got a suggestion. Yeah, what, what, what kind of thing you might have? Okay, so this is actually more looking at what he did after he left. So he is, or I guess was, or is about to be on the way out of being the manager of the England women's team. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to think, who's somebody who's got a bit of a teaching legacy after they're gone? I mean, you know, obviously he's not dead, but something about passing on knowledge, but not to the main squad, not to the main narratives, not like Master Yoda to Luke, you know? So I'm it's thinking, you know, maybe the English women's team is uh, Caleb Dune and Kanan Jarrus, meaning that Phil Neville is everyone's favorite Star Wars mom, Depa Balapa. That's a good choice. 
like mostly because also like when Phil Neville left United, he really like stepped into a leadership role that you never really saw at United. He was very much like a, a squad player, um, and he was he was still part of the you know successes of that time. But he specifically left because he's like, you know, I need to I need to do something else, kind of thing. Um, so. I, would, I don't know if necessarily he's more famous for his post-United career, but he certainly, like, went on to do more, um, like, I guess, on a personal level, like, bigger things. Like, he captained Everton when he moved there and and then went into sort of, like, coaching and, and management. Um, so, yeah, that's a good point. You know, Depa Bilava is known more for her, post, her post-Jedi Order influence than, than her... Uh, her during the Jedi Order stuff. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good choice. All right, great. Now, I, I want to move on to Nicky Butt, who didn't make it to Revenge of the Sith because he left Manchester United in 2004, so he isn't quite fit the characteristic here, but he was an influential person, so I'm trying to think, who is a character that didn't make it to Revenge of the Sith? Yaddle. But... <laughs> <laughs> I like straight off the gate. You just know it's Yaddle right there. <laughs> So I guess I'll follow that up. If Some people think Yaddle could be the child's mother from The Mandalorian. Does that mean well, that there is a young Nikki Butlet running around who's going to pop up? Um, maybe figuratively, because Nikki Butt is currently in charge of... Uh, I, think, I don't remember the exact title. I want to say it's like first team development or something at uh, United. And he sort of manages the... Um, transition from academy into first team for players. So he is sort of spawning butlets, if you can <laughs> think of it that way, bringing them through. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's similar to Phil Neville in the way of like a squad player who was very effective when he was playing, but moved on to be, you know, just to, it's like I've, I've done a whole bunch here already. What else can I challenge my career to do? Um, which I, I would just assume is why Yaddle did as well. You know, she she was like, ah, too much counsel. Let me go. Let me go try something new, <laughs> like death. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we could we could roll with that. So who is? We're gonna stick with this Yaddle thing. Thank you, Charlie. Um, if Yaddle was kind of overshadowed by Yoda. Who would you say overshadows Nikki Butt on the team? It's got to be the Yoda of our team, Paul Scholes. He is he is just the the midfield goat of that team, um, and uh, yeah, it, he's up there with the most uh, you know um, decorated players. Uh, not the most decorated in that of that era. But um, yeah, he's he's the 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 grandmaster of that midfield for sure. For sure. Okay, so I'm going to move on to a comparison of two players here. I'm going to give their Star Wars equivalent, and then I want to see what you guys think of it. So I'm going to talk about the Coles for a moment, Andy and Ashley. Okay. So we'll start with Andy Cole here. So Andy Cole spent his youth career with Arsenal in the late '80s. He was with Arsenal Senior Club, 1989 to 92, but he was only in one game, 
before being loaned out to Fulham in Bristol City and made the full move to Bristol City in 1992. Now, eventually, he makes his way over to Manchester United and becomes an enemy to those who had trained him. So this is who I see him as. I see that Andy Cole is in this scenario. Now, I know we've called other people Count Dooku, but I think this narrative has the Count Dooku feeling. Count Dooku left the Jedi Order, the order that trained him, making Bristol City is therefore the Sereno of British football. (laughs) (laughs) And then he uh, switched to the other side, the bad guys. So in this instance, I know we said Arsenal was the separatist council, but let's, let's table that. In this instance, we're talking that Manchester United is the separatist and that he shows up. Uh, Andy Cole leaves Man United before the prequels era ends, Unlike, not unlike Dooku, who gets killed off before the prequels end. I mean, it's a little later because that was 2001 versus in the middle of a movie in 2005. But there we have Andy. Now, I want to move over to Ashley Cole, who also had his youth career in Arsenal in 1997 through 1999. Now, he was never at Arsenal at the same time as Andy. And this is a lot like how Obi-Wan was never in the Jedi Order as Count Dooku. But Obi-Wan knew of Count Dooku. And Ashley Cole remained with Arsenal through and through, and he sticks with it, just like Obi-Wan remained with the Jedi Order. Obi-Wan battles Dooku. Ashley Cole and Andy Cole battle each other. Ashley Cole is loaned out to Crystal Palace in the year 2000, which is not unlike Obi-Wan going off to Mandalore for a little bit. Maybe Ashley Cole has his own little Duchess Satine in Crystal Palace, who he finds. (laughs) Awkward. And and then he he eventually ends up playing for Roma in LA Galaxy after this is all said and done. And maybe Roma in LA Galaxy, so Los Angeles and Rome, are like Tatooine in their own regard, as... uh, Obi-Wan spends his time hanging out over there. So I'm curious about your thoughts. I know it's kind of a stretch. The only similarity is their last name. But, you know, if you had to look up a list of players to play for both Arsenal and Manchester United, which Andy Cole falls under, there's surprisingly not that many, as you'd think, given the long history of both clubs. And Andy Cole's the only one who fits that criteria under this little window of time we're looking at here. So... Questions, comments, concerns, things that you just can't stand about that. You feel like I'm, I'm insulted. You've spat on everything I stand for by how dare you call Andy Cole Count Dooku. That means you just hate <laughs> Count Dooku. <laughs> I, I just have one quick comment, and that's that uh, yeah. I saw Ashley Cole when I went to see LA Galaxy. Oh, that you? was fun. Yeah. He, uh, he was the captain, actually. It was like one of his last games. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was fun. Um, yeah, I don't think Obi-Wan would eventually leave and join a bunch of racists, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny how, uh, <laughs> you're talking about, like, sticking through the prequel era, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it got, it got a little ugly, I think that, yeah, uh... I'd say that he's more like the Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> when things, when things took a turn, he joined the dark side. Yeah, that 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 Russian, that Russian oligarch money came in. Yeah, the inquisitorious yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah, behind the scenes, <laughs> trying to leave. You know, I I like the Russian 
money tied to the whole Inquisitor thing because that actually is a transition to a point I was going to make later on, but I'll, I'll follow this through about Chelsea. So, you know, the Revenge of the Sith era brought Chelsea's second and third ever championships in 2005 and 2006, which was their first since the 1950s. And so that made me, you know, question the point, does that make Chelsea kind of like the Galactic Empire? You know, what's rising out of the prequels in the story? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. You got the bigotry. So it got the bigotry, you got dark money kind of thrown in yeah, there. Absolutely. Corporate entities. And so it was who- the sign... It was the sign of the end, I think. I think Arsenal and Manu were okay after then. I think Manu were better probably overall. But that was the turning point. The Mourinho of it all, I think, was the turning point where it evened out for sure. And then I'd say about 2000, when Ferguson left, that was the cutting point. Mm Mm-hmm. So if Chelsea's the Galactic Empire, or at least we're looking at the formation of the Galactic Empire, who do you, what does that make Jose Mourinho in this time? Mm. Is he more of a Mothman? Oh, he's Tarkin. Okay, because he, he gets introduced. You know, his first season wasn't until 2005 or something like that, right? Yeah. Tarkin's right. a good bet because he, he eventually... Um... Like he eventually, he, he was too overconfident. His overconfidence was his weakness. So, yeah, he's yeah. A good, he's a good. I mean, he came in, and like he he changed like he changed the game when he came in. Um, and yeah, it's it's because uh, yeah, we we talk about like basically every every era sort of hinges on like uh sort of like power dynamics, right? So like. Mm. Like we've we've landed in the this episode specifically is on the the prequel era, and in these years it was Arsenal United. Like that was that was the dynamic. And when Mourinho came in, when Revenge of the Sith ended, <laughs> like the the dynamic shifted to Chelsea United. And like now we're in Liverpool Man City. Like this is this is the the way it's all like turning and stuff. And it's always brought about by by different things. And I think like we talk about Mourinho being Tarkin from at least like an ideas point of view and like a, um, you know, just the, the sort of power of one guy. Um, Cause I think Chelsea under like when he started Chelsea under him went like, like three years without losing at home or something. Um, it was ridiculous. Um, I think they still hold the record. And then also the, all the money, like the money like broke, like Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea broke the the game <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna lay that at their feet um because once once uh roman abramovich came in and like dumped his money laundering operations into chelsea um allegedly uh <laughs> it was uh that's when you start seeing what happened with man city and all these like traditionally not huge clubs becoming huge um and it's and it's kind of weird and certainly as from a united standpoint i can't be like all uh high horsey about spending money but um it got it got it gets gotten weird (laughs) the money money in the game is is a big issue still yeah i feel like 
the way we talk about this rivalry is kind of with a bittersweet uh, viewpoint because there's something so special about that Arsenal Man U side. Like, those were two really good teams. Those were two incredible managers. That was the period of time where the game was the game. Like I said before earlier, you could go. I could go to a match every week, go and see them, and you know that atmosphere, that smell, that you know that that sort of magic in the air, and that's gone now. Mm-hmm. And that's not me being pessimistic. It's just like you said, it's the way it's changed, and it is money because we have to remember, like Arsenal and Man U and Manchester United are pretty much very working class sort of, you know, backgrounds. Especially like Man- like Manchester and stuff. Mm-hmm. But for my family as well, like we come from a working class background. It was something you it, it brought people together. It, you know, you go to a match and you go, Oh, you're right, mate. Yeah, yeah, how are you? Like it brought the community together. <laughs> it's like a lot of times you don't go to watch the game, you just gotta hang out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but that's not there anymore because there's certain there's different things. One there's the whole money aspect, which in terms of a lot of fans are gatekeeped out of just being able to attend, especially working classes. They can't afford either to watch the match, and then they can't afford to watch it on TV because of the packaging deals and stuff. Um, you've also got the notion of rich. And I, maybe people go, well, actually, no, I, I stand by it. There's a bunch of rich assholes who claim to be fans, buy out boxes, buy out seats. They don't know what the fuck's going on. They don't know. They don't know what Arsenal means. You know, there's this people, and it's that this worldwide reach as well. Well, there's like this difference between reaching worldwide and getting fans in. Like the whole US thing recently has been amazing because these are people that are attaching to teams and looking at the histories. But then there are people over here that are like just rich, like, oh yes, yeah, oh, 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 yes, he's doing a wonderful job. It's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) There was something about that magical, like that that team dynamic, that rivalry of Arsenal trying to be like, you know, like the good guys, quotation mark, and Man U were the aggressive, you know, boo, like they're the bad, like we, it was like a pantomime element of it where you know you'd boo them but it was entertaining and they would bring out the best in each other you don't see that anymore yeah it really it really felt like that those eras were like a a battle of ideas like Mm -hmm. more than more than like oh we gotta outspend now um and it was it was like you know, like Wenger came in and like modernized and like sexified like English football um, to a degree, and like a lot of the like sort of like the the style, like there was a style and substance to the way they would play, and then and Ferguson, who had already had you know some pretty good years with um, United in the early '90s already, had to adapt to that. And and ch- and see that challenge of Wenger coming in and shaping Arsenal into the team they would become, and 
having to take that challenge on and um and uh and you know go up against it and and to and to uh Ferguson's credit he did that again with Mourinho and then sort of um with with when Man City started coming in he got he got a punch or two back in but then he retired and yeah it just felt like um certainly with Arsenal it was like we have to we have to outthink them whereas with Chelsea it felt more like we just have to overpower them um yeah so yeah it's it's there's there was like a purity to um to that united arsenal dynamic that i don't know maybe maybe it's not giving enough credit to to some of the 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 way they played but cuz i mean Mourinho, when Mourinho again when Mourinho came in he turned that chelsea team into you know the the you know the champions they would become and you know that's that's of course a a great achievement but but it was all powered by um by you know the the influx of of money in in chelsea and i think as well as like in the in the tens while man you like you said you you were sort of like fighting it you're like you're like a fighter like refusing to go down Mm -hmm. like you were hitting back like you said alex ferguson getting punches in Arsenal sort of shifted into becoming a player factory. Mm-hmm. Like, Arsene Wenger is like, um, I think he's one of his greatest things he left with the club was the idea of the youth team pumping out these amazing players. Like, we we found these amazing, this amazing talent, put him for the youth team, brought him in, and then we kind of just didn't do anything of them and then shifted them out to every other fucking team. Yeah, and so you see, like these Man U teams that, and like other clubs that just, you know, got these previous Arsenal players that it feels like they, like at that point of time, we didn't really want to, we just wanted to be secure in our own position as like the top four, and instead, these understandably, these players just had to leave. Like I, there was a really great interview on the podcast uh, with um, Fabregas, and he talks about like he was like, look, I wanted to come back to Arsenal. And they just didn't reach out to me. But I also wanted to win. You know? Yeah. Which is why he... And I can't... Like, at the time, you have that sort of... That boo, he left that team. But when he explains it and stuff, it's very hard to... I love, by the way, I'm sorry. I love the fact that there's a lawnmower going on. And also there's fireworks because it's on fire night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I completely... You know, we, we've been so distracted with stuff over there. I totally forgot. You know, normally this is the time of year when a bunch of Americans pretend to know what they're talking about by uh, 5th of November rhymes on post, but... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, 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 apparently it's the same day where people don't understand what Bonfire Night is. There they are, those people outside celebrating the um, the death of a Catholic terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> is there anybody you are wanting to burn today? Uh, me wanting to burn today? Oh, there's quite a few. Really, I think. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, there, there is something about the way things shifted. And I actually do, I think, to, to credit, I feel like, the, even though the game's changed forever, there is something that's happening at the minute which is turning that back. I don't know how well it's going to go. I think at the minute it's interesting. Um, and that's the idea of uh, trying to continue forward, but with a, with a, a deep sort of set an anchor in legacy. And I think we're actually seeing that with... Um, not only Arsenal, 
with obviously Arteta as the manager. You got Man U um, at the minute. Uh, we've got yeah, you got Manchester United at the minute, and you've got Chelsea with Lampard, which is great because now we get to abuse Lampard again. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's There's only so many times you can sing Big Fat Frank, and it still works. <laughs> no, that was that was very beautifully said by by the both of y'all, and you know, listening to this conversation, I I feel like a certain podcast host who won't be named sharing the space with david collins where david collins is talking about star wars music and the person he's talking to clearly has no idea what's going on but (laughs) (laughs) brought to you by your favorite snack no i'm just i'm (laughs) (laughs) tiny julie (laughs) tiny julie muffins (laughs) anyhow little little uh star wars (laughs) podcasting humor for you uh you both talked about the managers and i feel like this is a good time to pose this question which star wars prequels duel do you believe best captures the rivalry between those two? Oh, i know my choice copy um, the yoda right yeah the the two greatest in the in the this realm going at it yeah the goats yeah like that's it um Fighting at the center of galactic power, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no doubt, and and I think like um, it's it's one of those things because it's when if you watch back during the stuff, you'd probably think like, oh, they fucking hate each other, mm. but maybe maybe unlike Yoda and Palpatine, <laughs> I think there is there is like now at least a mutual sort of like love and respect for what each one did. I think each one knows they they pushed each other to their highest limit kind of stuff. And Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I remember when um when Wenger was was leaving Arsenal, uh like Ferguson and and Mourinho at the time who was United manager, um, like presented Wenger with like a special memorial kind of or like a some sort of like little trophy type thing. Um when Arsenal came to play at Old Trafford for his last game and um, or his last game against us. And so there's like very obvious respect between what, um, what these two clubs like had back in the day. Okay. This may be where things start to get a little, a little dicey. Who's who? Um, I'll let's I'll, see. I'll, I think that Ferguson's the emperor, and I don't mean that in terms of yeah. No, I'm happy to take evil. That. Like he's a bit more aggressive because he's Scottish. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but <laughs> like, he's a bit more aggressive. <laughs> yeah, and he he, he kind of wins <laughs> overall. Mm-hmm. But then Yoda, like that, that whole battle has an even ground throughout the most of it. They're pretty even killed. Um, and then both kind of lose in the way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I was, I'm trying to think from like a standpoint of, so yeah, like they have that battle, and then the Emperor kind of hangs in there, and Yoda has to run off, and. Yeah, that sort of I think dictates that shift of again we're like swapping metaphors around, but it that indicates that shift of where United stayed in the power dynamic, but Arsenal didn't. Mm-hmm. 
And um, that's sort of continued on. That, that I think that allows for, you know, the idea of like, we, we sort of stayed challenging for the, for the top stuff. Arsenal had to go into their, into their exile. Into exile we went. It, but then there's always a bit of hope there, which was the fact that we could keep the Invincibles. Like that was our little bit of like, like how we dealt with the nineteen years in in, in the cave. Look <laughs> 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 like at the gold trophy. Good, re- good relations with the invincibles I have. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I want to have a little pivot to the invincibles team. We're kind of jumping all over with timelines here, but that is the two thousand three two thousand four season. And so this is the first team to finish the league season without a single defeat since the powerhouse that is Preston North End in what 1889, I think, something way, way far back then. And so a, a lot of people, even though it wasn't the first, you know, game of that season, but a lot of people point to the Battle of Old Tratford, the game on September 21st, 2003, as kind of a sort of a starting heralding point for... Uh, for those two teams. Charlie, did you, do you remember watching that or as that was going on or as the invincible season was unfolding? I can't remember watching it specifically. I don't know. I can't, I, I can't really remember specifically watching it. I know I asked my dad sometimes like, you know, which games I went to. So I can't remember exactly which ones, like sometimes he might point out, but um, yeah, no, all I just remember is that, that rivalry. Is it is that the one where Van Nistelrooy missed the penalty like at the end? I can't remember. So this is the first game with them. This would be the first one, yeah, because then the second one was in March of that year, uh, which was when it was back at Arsenal was hosting that one. Yeah. So this would have been the away one. Was that the one with um Oh, it must have been the it must have been the Ruben story one. The penalty, right? Yes. Yeah, it, it, like the, it ended in a tie. Yeah. I'm trying to remember which match it was when like was the uh, Ben Troy missed and then like Martin Keown like yells in front of his face. Yeah, yeah. Oh, with the, <laughs> yeah, with the uh, the yellow shirt and the in the newspapers. Uh, yeah, that must have been it. That I that was you could remember that. Because that that summed it up. That summed up the intensity of it, and like Vieira getting in Roy Keane's face, and then having mm-hmm. a bicker and stuff. That was so, that's so good. Oh, I love it. The game had character. It did, and the teams had a deep set wanting to win. Yeah, it was all about standards. Just like only the only the highest was acceptable, and. Yeah, it's like now. Now you see, like, it, like it just sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It does. Sucks no, you... Other teams have that. <laughs> um, like nowadays, it sometimes it feels like the top like stars in the team. Like when you look back, you look at like like you said, skulls or or um. Like I can't imagine Paul skulls now having an Instagram account and going live all the time. Oh, having a TikTok deal. You know what is actually you know pretty I mean? funny though? Paul Scholes does have an Instagram account. And I'm pretty sure but, he just he does it making fun of his kids. 
like all his posts are like look at this idiot (laughs) (laughs) that that makes sense a lot but i can't imagine him at the time like being proper like wearing a chain and being like right yeah Yeah. the way the way professionals were and like there there was no like personal branding no that's that's a good way of putting it basically it wasn't like arsenal or just this man like the personal brand and i think like that's the difference between ronaldo in the man U team compared to later on mm-hmm. like it wasn't like oh, he 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 sums up the entirety of that team it was he's in a really clever he's a really great player that was part of that collective group mm-hmm. whereas now people are just like oh yes ronaldo is the team or you know Messi is Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And they are exceptional players, but there is something about putting that sort of ego aside and saying, no, the whole team had to come together or like using your effort to help push other people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, you got that definitely with the Arsenal team. So I, I want to ask, because you bring up Ronaldo, who is more of a general grievous in Ronaldo. Manchester, Ronaldo or Wayne Rooney, in terms of people brought in towards the end of the prequels era and fan favorite. What separatist like the fuck grannies? <laughs> <laughs> Granny Shaka. <laughs> um, between those two. Uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even think, I think I'd pick either of them. I think Vanessa was a good griever. I'm trying to think, like, because he was pretty tall. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. I don't think Ronaldo is grievous. Uh, certainly, I'm I'm willing to lean more Rooney because Rooney is, um, when he was like in his, you know, peak, he was like just power and, um, like aggression and pace and. Like, if anyone was going to fight with four lightsabers, it was going to be Wayne Rooney. Because he wouldn't give a fuck. He'd just, like, okay. <laughs> blow through. I and... would say... Yeah. I would say that Van Nistelrooy is grievous. I feel mm. like he had that sort of intimidating... Um, he, he he would frustrate us as a player, which would be like grievous does a good job of. I think Wayne Rooney would be Savage Press. Mm. Brother, is that, <laughs> <laughs> is that you, Nan? <laughs> um, no, I feel like he had that sort of the bulk and aggression, and like p- keep pushing forward and forward to get what he wanted. Um, whereas I think Nisori was a bit more, you know, like tactical, but also like he could get he could get a, a reaction out of the um, other players, as we saw in that you know that penalty. Do you, do you think that when Wayne Rooney scored yet another goal to push him up higher and higher, eventually to number one for the you know highest scoring player for Manchester United, he would say another one for my collection? <laughs> he, he did love it. He did love collecting goals. <laughs> I, I I like to think he did. We can all we can all hope for sure. We can make that count. Are you? Since you brought up the the first battle, please tell me you're going to bring up the battle of the buffet. I was going to bring up the battle of the buffet, but you. All right. No, stay stay with your stay with your uh, your 
show schedule. I was just wanted to make sure. Oh, uh, you know, I broke away from the show schedule pretty much as soon as we got to uh, to gigs. So we're we're totally open at this point. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, another another absolute modern classic <laughs> of just of just shit going down. Um, have have you? Do, what do you what do you know about the the incident, Reed? Well, I know that um, it was a Manchester United win, and that there was mm. a bit of a revenge element of sorts going on there. And uh, but this was it. It didn't. I, you know, not, not you know very little in all honesty, other than it's a great name, and that pizza is somehow involved. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, so pl- please enlighten me. No, I mean, yeah, like that's again. It's just we're we're heading towards the tail end of of this uh, this rivalry, and with this victory, United breaks Arsenal's um, forty nine match unbeaten run, and uh, done with a little bit of you know. I'm not. I'm not going to personally comment on whether it was a penalty or not, <laughs> but opinions are had on the validity of the of said penalty and um mm. and then yeah Cesc Fabregas through allegedly uh through pizza <laughs> at, at <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson <laughs> after the match <laughs> so it's called the battle of the buffet and it's again it's like you don't get this shit now right like or maybe you do it just doesn't feel the same I just want like I don't know, I want Sterling to th- throw, I don't know, some some minstrels at at Jurgen Klopp or something. Like, <laughs> like where where's the where's the shit housing? You know, I don't know. <laughs> One of my favorite elements is that um, after the game, like apparently that's what started to really sour the relationship between Ferguson and Wenger, because Wenger called them cheats mm. and. One of my favorite bits is that this uh, caption from the Wikipedia page says, "Under pressure from the police, the sports minister, and the Premier League chairman, both manager Lay agreed to turn tone down their words." Yeah. <laughs> so you got to the point where the police had to get involved. <laughs> see, see, Charlie, this is when you need to come in with your your photoshopping skills and replace the Galactic Senate battle, but instead of throwing, you know, the senatorial floating platforms, it's pizza, pizza slices. Oh man, that'd be great. Be hilarious. <laughs> Something to chew on, so to say. Going on something the whole. Something else. Oh, go ahead. Just really quickly, something I just want to mention that the Wikipedia article details is the weather during the match. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's what a fascinating thing to like want to have on record. Light rain showers, scattered clouds at a nice fourteen degrees Celsius. Fascinating. <laughs> But this is also the this is where you, I kind of miss this as well is that, and we kind of we're getting it back. I think we've been getting it back with the Arteta, and that's what I think was important. That I wanted to talk about was the idea of Manchester United, Chelsea, and Arsenal getting legendary players that are trying to reintroduce the concept that this is something that you want to win. But it isn't just that. There's also the the team and the the idea of what the stands for. So you wouldn't just let it go. You would properly fight. And I miss that. <laughs> like I miss like Roy Keane and Vieira, like, like fighting each other in the tunnel. Yeah, I miss you know 
pushed like you know like uh, maybe that's bad of me and then people go like that's like bringing the sport into disrepute into disrepute but i don't care it was entertainment and they cared that's they cared that's why they were fighting yeah and it's like you know it's almost like it almost took on this like wwe like manifestation of these players felt like characters and yeah and like now now it's like oh yeah they they're just players they you know it's just they're just they're doing the game you know for the whatever but back then it's like oh man and there's another player we for united who was through all this and would become captain after Roy Keane he's called Gary Neville um and there's one particular clip uh it's not a it's not a united arsenal thing but it's um one of united's goalkeepers who i think his last season was the the 99 season um he's called peter schmeichel he was like a legendary goalkeeper for united often still considered like the greatest one we've had um and he actually went to manchester city like at the end of his career because that's what a lot of people did back then um and <laughs> they're they're in the tunnel and Gary Neville's captain, and Schmeichel comes up to him to like high five, and get, Neville just ignores him. He's like, "I'm not. <laughs> you don't exist to me. You left for City. You do not exist. I'm just gonna look forward. You you get nothing from me." And it's just yeah, it's like that level of what it means to to be wearing the shirt you are and what you're what you're representing. And it, it's yeah, it's it's one of those things that. It's like an intangible that you can't, you can't like always uh, just like teach someone. Like you, you have to like accept that part of your culture. And and I think sort of like an earlier point uh, Charlie brought up um, with the, the like foreign Arsenal players and like really feeling like uh, like they didn't feel foreign, right? Like they felt yeah. like they they were part of that family and like there's nothing like watching a foreign player come in to your team and like becoming that culture like like patrice ever is a french left back we had and the way he talks about united it's like he grew up next to the stadium um and you know people people come in and just adopt the culture to such a degree and you like can't you can you can even tell that this wasn't a part of their life like the in, their entire lives. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a special thing when when you get there. And I mean, it's it's not to say it doesn't exist now, but I don't know. You just don't see it as like upfront. I feel. Yeah, you see it with uh, the current Arsenal players. Actually, they're getting really into the uh, the slang and the uh, swear words. I think. <laughs> that, that's what we're all we're all hoping to see the playing and the swear words so before we sign off i'm gonna pose the the final question for the two of y'all make your case why is your team the best team of the prequels era mm. who wants to go first <laughs> nikki you spoke um, first look unless unless charlie is on the springboard right here no i mean you can go first I mean, uh, I'm going to say, of course, I'm going to say Manchester United is the team of the prequels era, not only because we were extremely do still dominant in the era, we were dominant before it, we were dominant after, 
um, we we maintained this consistency, and we did the in in 1999 riding that Phantom Menace high. We we did the greatest thing any English club has ever done, and that's win the Premier League, win the Champions League, win the FA Cup in the same season. And yeah, it's it's just the, the stuff of legends back back in back in the day. That's my short answer. Charlie? It's a very good answer. However, I'm going to say that Arsenal were the better club of the prequels because this was the era of the Invincibles. Okay. They drew 12 times. Something (laughs) that has not been replicated since. It doesn't matter whether you're you're the incredible team of Liverpool headed by Klopp. Hasn't been done. Doesn't matter if you're the at the top of their game, Alex Ferguson Manchester United team. Couldn't be done. We did that. But not only did we do that, we also created entertainment by fighting with Manchester United. Um, we also, you know, we got we got a lot of good stuff in. We had, you know, it was so much fun to see George Graham take control of Tottenham after we kicked him out, and still, you know, beat him. It was fun just to. And can I just say that like, the kits back then were superb during the prequel era. I mean, you've got the golden Sega kit, the you know, the Dreamcast kit. You had the sort of the maroon hybrid anniversary kit, mm-hmm. which was that's a great one. So good. You had this that great blue and the yellow away kit um, for I think that was the two thousand and three season. A huge era for uh, mobile services. With uh, O2 yeah, and Vodafone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, and like, and not even to joke about it, very much so, I, to the point where I remember going on holiday when I was seven, and there was an advert for a Vodafone, and it was the advert where it had, I think the, the, ma- the main theme was Bohemian Like You by the <laughs> Dandy Warhols. Mm. And um, my first f- frame of reference was like, oh, boo. Manchester United. Like, that's how, like, ingrained it was into that sort of culture. So, yeah, I would say Arsenal just had that. That I mean, look at the team. He had Ashley Cole, Patrick Vieira, Martin Keown, who I would say is the Sand Hill of the uh, Arsenal group. Uh, Jose Antonio Reyes, who sadly passed away um, terribly uh, not too long ago. Such an amazing player. Adu, who, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of these players have actually since then become part of that legacy. So it isn't just the one and done. And that's the same, actually. I would actually add on to the fact that with Manchester United as well, that they've done the same thing. That these This era was so special that they've stuck around overall, quite frankly. And that goal that Sylvian Wiltord scored against Manchester United beautiful that is, that, that caps it off we're also going to talk about beautiful goals ryan giggs 
FA Cup semi-final against yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, no, we finished now, Nicky. No, we finished. Uh. That, was my, that was my point. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, you both made excellent points for your team, and I, I've I've listened very carefully to see who I agree with, and I actually think that you're both wrong. That the greatest team of the prequels eras is no other than from the lion's den itself. I'm talking Millwall. Let me tell you a story about <laughs> Millwall and the prequels era. How between 2001 to 2005, they crawled their way up from second division all the way up to the championship behind the strong leg of Neil Harris. Are their fans total pieces of crap? You bet it. But they got heart and they got soul. Do they got TV time? No. People listening to them on the radio? No. But you can do whatever you want. Millwall is God's blind spot. And just like the prequels are the blind spot to a lot of Star Wars fans, so is the Lion's Den. You heard it here. And did they get crushed in the 2003 FA Cup final by United? They had, they had, they had spirit, man. They got there in the first place. You know that alone for them. Was it 2003? 2004. 2004. May I have my defense? Please. <clears throat> or like Luzhny. That's it. <laughs> well said. Brief. You can't say anything anything <laughs> wrong with things being brief. Done. <laughs> Drop it. I mean, only one of those fandoms shows up as a Cards Against Humanity card. Just saying. Millwall fans. Not <laughs> for good reason. <laughs> they are very much so. <laughs> Oh man. Good good stuff indeed. Well, thank y'all so much for for joining me today in this conversation. I hope that my uh like I said being more of the outsider looking in, I'm just trying to curate good good talk, good memories, a walk down of what the pro sporting world used to be like. Just like OT fans talk about how the prequels and the sequel trilogy ruined Star Wars, the two of y'all think money ruined soccer. We heard we heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> we you know, think we know. There, there's a one one final comment I'd like to make before before you fully wrap up is uh you know we we've talked about things going in cycles um you know the dynamics always shifting and like now we're currently in this Liverpool Man City one I I hope this one comes back yeah because me too. it's what it's what the people deserve so we'll see um I think. You know, we, we've had our, I think Arsenal's sort of like exile started earlier. I think they're going to swing out of theirs earlier. Um, we're, I don't know where ours is. <laughs> um, it's, it's too inconsistent to truly know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll revisit this in, in five years and, and we're back. I really hope so. Because I missed those days. I will add as well that if anyone's interested in, or if they don't know about football and you're interested in this, there is a really, really good documentary called Keenan Vieira, Best of Enemies, which was from about, what, seven years ago? And it was uh, an interview of like Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira separately, and then also between themselves. And at the end, they decided to, they did like a pick their best uh, top top eleven teams out of all the times they played in that thing, and then at the end they combined it like a combined team of like the best eleven out of mm-hmm. uh, 
Manchester and Arsenal players, and it's so good. Because what's great about it is that they're they're both friendly to each other, but also there's still that aggression and sort of disagreements and stuff. And it's like real. Like, there's a bit where, like, when Roy Keane picks a player, Patrick Pierre's like, "Oh yes, I see what you're doing there." And then when it's the opposite, Pierre's like, "I think we should pick." And then Roy Keane's like, "Really? Are you sure about that? I don't know about that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. I think that's on YouTube, and I think you can watch it on Daily Motion as well. I'm sure you can find it. I think it was like a Sky Sports documentary. Another um, great thing, kind of like that, or like like a bit of a retrospective thing, um, also available on YouTube is uh, two players we've brought up in the in the show. It's the show is called uh, Gary Neville's Soccer Box, and he uh, does a one on one like sit down with Thierry Henry, where they just watch. Henri highlights and like talk about the like mindset and process and of, of like not only scoring goals, but then they also like go into the, the attitudes the teams had for each other back then. And it's all those, those things are always really fun to watch. Um, so yeah, those, Gary Neville's some, great. Cool, some cool content. He's so good. Yeah. He's, he he's really, really like made that transition to TV, like better than anyone probably could have <laughs> imagined for the guy. I, yeah, definitely. I feel like he's one of the best commentators out there at the minute. And also mm. the um, the way he really stood out for football clubs during the lockdown mm-hmm. and fought for the working class folks who... Because there's a lot of teams that are like lower down uh, leagues that are just closing up because there's no, work, there's no money. There's no... And there's no games going on. So he, he's been doing a really great job at reminding people what game is actually about it's not about these um oligarchs who just want to throw money in and these knobheads from the city who want to go out there because the opera's closed and you know uh hide their human rights abuses behind sports washing yeah. allegedly and or um the babble bubble doesn't get sued <laughs> <laughs> and or owning uh, have some like russian agents shop. breaking into my apartment <laughs> it wasn't me who said it <laughs> He's in LA. Keep going. Keep going. Why you disrespect Chelsea? Uh, good stuff. So, um, yeah, and if if I recall correctly, the Imperial Senate podcast has a a fantasy Premier League, right? Isn't that the case? Very true. Very true. And yeah, who's the number one team in that fantasy league right now? Well, the only confirmed champion is Whataburger FC, managed by yours truly. Um, but I mean, <laughs> the current season's still in motion, so I, I couldn't possibly comment. You couldn't wait. So there's, there's no, but, there's no projected uh, winner at this point, I suppose. Yeah, you know, still too close to call, <laughs> <laughs> and now, now I'm triggered. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess of course, yeah. Um, Reed, He's you're L L Tree. L Tree, man, L Tree. Austin FC Tree is up at the top. Yes, the the so, Father Ash, Father go. Ashby, nipping at the heels though. I got a point on him. Very. I'm probably gonna though. crash at some. You know, I, I feel like I'm just stumbling into this, but it's it's been a lot of fun. I kind of really want my dad to win, so I don't have to give out any prizes. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I'm proud of you, Dad. But like I just, I just don't want to have to do the hassle and spend like, the money. And... Yeah, I'll be like, "Do you want to share?" He's like, "No, I'm, right. I'm like, cool." 
<laughs> I'll take if it. Yeah, there's a, there's a few of my family members in here. So my um, my dad is second. He's Shamrock Kaguna because you know they're Irish. Uh, my uncle is in here. He's a he's a Tottenham fan. Um, he has got he's Denny's heroes. He's got tw- where is he? He's twenty first in the league. Then my sister's at the bottom, but she joined late anyway. So. That's not really fair. It's a lot of fun. I it's given me way more reason to follow the Premier League than I, I had been in, in a long while. So that that's been very cool being part of y'all's league. Do you have anything you want to plug that the Imperial Senate is doing or has just done that people can go check out, watch, listen to, send, uh, purchase, send their dollars, Patreon, art pieces, etc. Yeah, if you follow Arsenal TV, please unsubscribe and follow the Imperial Senate podcast on <laughs> YouTube instead, because we have better content. We got uh, Mandalorian coverage, three blurgs and a bounty on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, and then, um, of course, our, our regular podcast feed, just the Imperial Senate podcast, wherever you, you get your podcasts. Yeah, for sure. We've also got a Discord where we... Um... Which you can find on our website, which is imperialsnetpodcast.com. All our links are on there. So the podcast link, the YouTube link, and the Discord link. The Discord, we actually have, has all the information for all new episodes and such. But also, we have a dedicated uh, sports channel for all sports. So if you like hockey, you can talk hockey there. If you like uh, tennis, because you're a weirdo. Because you, <laughs> um, you didn't have and... a chaplain. <laughs> <laughs> You, no, you you, um, you like we tennis because a... your mom dated the pro at the club. Ooh, there we go. We also have um, a dedicated uh, Aces channel. So the Aces are the people who are involved in the Fantasy League. So if you're interested in just seeing how people are going in there, you can also join there. And we talk about we talk mainly football, um, and I mean proper football, on there. Um, yeah. I don't know what else we've got. Oh, we've also done a video for Star Wars Explained. So if you want to check that out, go to Star Wars Explained YouTube channel. And it's all about the Imperial Senate. Cool, cool. Yeah, good stuff. The Imperial Senate family is always posting out some truly fantastic content. And uh, listeners, if you uh, enjoyed hearing about the rivalry of sports going on in the prequels era, go back to an older episode of C.O. Bibble's Babble Bubble where I talk about the San Antonio Spurs and the Los Angeles Lakers in the basketball rivalry that was going on the same time this whole Manchester United Arsenal stuff was going on. So the parallelism in some big leagues, that's what the prequels are about. Go Spurs, go. R.I.P. Kobe. Um, You know. Please clarify. (laughs) Gotta just put it all out there. But yes. The only good Spurs are San Antonio. There you go. Before, when the lockdown ends, okay, when things go back to normal, we're all going to a match, right? It's gotta happen. All right, should, should we put that in motion? We will absolutely. We'll get Claire yes. We'll... Though I hear that you convinced Claire to be an Arsenal fan behind Nikki's back. Look, it wasn't behind her back, his back. <laughs> it was purely like, I wanted to get a baseball team. So I went with her team. And she was like, I want to get involved in football. And she, her brother, is an Arsenal fan. So it just made sense, you know. What can I say? Nikki, you got to be quicker on on the draw, man. You know, I may I maintained the position that Claire's neutrality kept the kept the ecosystem in balance. <laughs> <laughs>
So now, now we're just now I'm just like the father of Mortis. I'm like, damn, <laughs> the <laughs> son of the daughter. They messed this whole thing like, up. Now I need to ask some kid. She's also a Rangers fan, so it's fine. Neutrality still stands. There we go. Well, I mean, she can be one of those people who pretends that Scottish football is relevant. Oh, I mean, I take that back. <laughs> yeah. I like, I, I, my, Celtic are my... A bold my, claim my, indeed. And next week on the Babble Bubble, we'll be asking the question, does liking Scottish football count as a replacement for a personality? <laughs> You're upsetting a very large demographic. Yeah. Oh, I'm very angry. The Glaswegians, the Glaswegians are coming for oh, you. No. As long as it's not anyone from Dundee, I'm okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting totally off the longest sign-off in Babble Bubble history. Per usual, folks, thank you for swinging by. Charlie, it's been great finally having you on the show. Nikki, a pleasure per usual. I will catch you all around the pod racing track corner. So long.